Hey, good morning. A happy Thursday to you. It's Bruce and Judy, and you know that uh, um, Valentine's Day is Monday, but this weekend will probably be, uh, you know, at least for couples out there, Valentine's weekend, uh, date nights, dinners, flowers, candy, or whatever. But what if you, what if you don't have a special someone? What if you're Ronry? So Ronry. <laughs> Well, what if I told you that you might want to go hang out in Cicero to I, find uh, yourself? I would say why a partner, yeah, the steak and egger, sure. Hmm. So, according to uh, a survey from the people that do surveys, they took a look at communities with the largest number of single people, and for the Chicago area, Cicero. Comes in at the top, 57.2% of residents are unencumbered, so to speak. Hmm. Do they have a prison record, though? (laughs) Because when I think of Cicero, it's all, and I mean politics, I don't mean criminal as as much. Um, That's what I think of, you know. So many Al Capone is from Cicero, I think about right? Al yeah, it started with Al. I mean, we've got a lot change, of corruption. filthy animal. <laughs> that say is it like it's a bad a, thing. Maybe wait, there's play, some women out there going, again. "Hey, if I had an That's Al Capone pickup line. kind of character." Hold on a second. That change, you filthy animal. <laughs> That's how they talking, Cicero. Yeah, it comes hey. in number six nationwide. Wow, with the highest number of single divorced. Or widowed people between the ages of 18 and 65. It also comes in fourth for the highest percentage of single men, ladies. I'm just saying. Hmm. If you Cicero, get Cicero and, might yeah. be for you. I think Cicero has a lot of bars. Yeah, a lot of places to go out, oh, a lot yeah, of places to so, hang out. Well, is that know, a chicken or egg argument? Are the bars there because there's a lot of single people? Or a lot of single people there and people go, we need more bars. Yeah. Mm. Like, oh, I, which came first? Hmm. Mm-hmm. The single people are the bars. Now, I, I, I'm curious because just because there's a lot of single people in an area, does yeah. that mean that they all want to date? Maybe, maybe the people of Cicero just want to be left alone. Right. Or Who as many guys available? think that, uh, um, well, she just hasn't met me yet. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a kind of our, our attitude when it comes to single women. Yeah. I'm not really looking for a relationship. That's because you haven't met me. Yeah. That's the way it is. Break you that habit. Well, one of the most famous single people in um, Cicero, Lauren Maltese, um, she was, I can't think of her first name. Um, Betty, Betty Lauren Betty Maltese. Lauren Maltese. Yeah. yeah. She was the former um, mayor of, of Cicero, and now she's 73, oh. and she uh, lives there, and she says she finds this thing about singles in Cicero hard to believe. Like, she also is a convicted she, felon. I'm yeah. going to throw yeah. it out there that <laughs> she might be saying, having a little more trouble. There are a lot of convicted felons in Cicero yeah. because of She corruption. went to federal prison. Yeah. Yeah, she um, she served her time. Felons need love, too. Yeah. Come on. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah. <laughs> they've, been, Betty, they've been in the hole for that Betty long. Betty knows how to beauty it up, if I recall, Nick. She was quite heavy on the makeup. Yeah. She yeah. was quite a looker. <laughs> she was a looker. What in them old school broads? Old school, right? You could you'd see her sitting at one of those Cicero bars, mm-hmm. smoking. When I see the name yeah. Betty Lauren, fashion Betty Moore, Lauren Maltese, 
I think of a beehive hairdo, and I don't know yeah. why. Oh, yeah, pretty, cool, pretty close. Oh, really? yeah. Okay, all right. <laughs> I've never seen a picture yeah. of Betty Lauren Maltese, but I'm like, I'm thinking beehive. Yeah, mm-hmm. I Betty really was, am. She's quite the character. So, I mean, to me, yes, Cicero, interesting characters. Absolutely. They happen to be single. Great. But I, I don't know. Well, if- where do you find single people then? It used to be the, what, the grocery store? And that what is it like? Go to the frozen food aisle or something like yeah, that. Yeah, look for the guy buying you know single dinners. <laughs> <laughs> Swanson hungry man, yeah. and go. That guy might need uh, somebody in his life. Hey, you want to split I, that Salisbury? Do steak? ladies think like I, women? Don't think like that. Do they? It's all online now. That's no. the, that's what everyone complains about. Because like, if you don't want to go online, because it's a little bit scary. But yeah, nobody that there's nowhere to meet anymore. Even pre-COVID. It wasn't the th- people didn't meet at bars or grocery stores. That's not where you meet people. No, they, it used to be absolutely, but now it's all online. Just Even all for online. older people, it's yeah, yeah. Nobody fixes you up anymore. It's I say this as a single person. People stop doing that. Yeah, it's you don't just, fix your yeah. friends up anymore. I don't meet. People. I know. I know somebody perfect for you. You don't say that. Yeah, I mean, I have met guys through people, but only if I happen to be, you know, we're at the same function and. Someone knows someone because, yeah. yeah, even for someone like me being a little bit older it, online, I'm like, oh, I don't really think about this person. Uh, my first instinct is, oh, this person isn't who he says he is. He's a scammer and he could be a <laughs> serial you, killer. You know what? That's a good that's a good way yeah. to start, though. Uh, you should you should start, start with, the, with the serial and killer down. and work backwards to eh, oh. maybe he'll pay for dinner. Oh, he's just a gardener. Yeah, oh, I just pegged it wrong. So yeah. is dating a zero sum game for you at this point where it's just like there's only so many men out there who are available and you just you can't recommend them to anybody because they might be good for you Ooh, yeah you just gotta kind of be like oh you, you create your little you have, you, have a, you, yeah. have a, you have a stable and you're unwilling to share any of them with anyone yeah. else yeah. I, unfortunately i'm at the i don't care part of it now i'm like oh, whatever i mean you're just looking for I a don't free look. dinner i don't look yeah well <laughs> I, and you know when people get to my age a lot of times men and women they just are looking for companionship more than anything to do stuff do stuff with someone yeah i happen to have a really big circle of friends a lot most of them are couples but you know what it's never been an issue i've never felt like the odd one out or been made to feel sometimes i just get tired of it if you want to go somewhere with, that has a bunch of divorcees, though, you need to go down to uh, Miami. Because, uh, uh, Why does that make total sense? Hollywood to and Hialeah are, are two suburbs of Miami that come in number one and number two of percentage of divorcees. You go find yourself a sugar mama, Tom. Oh, well, I, I mean, I've kind of got one locked in at yeah, this there point. There is that. There is that. Yeah, you are marrying up. There's yeah, no two ways around I'm marrying up. It. It's, you know, we. it's going to extend my life. It's going to extend my bank account. Allegedly. You know? And she gets to do like, oh, yeah, my my uh, husband, he works on the radio. So, ladies, if you're looking looking for men out there, the states with the most single men, Vermont. <laughs> And I'm going to assume they're take all lumberjacks. Off, yeah, take it off the list. Are they Who, lumberjacks? No go Alaska. Again, kind of a hardy mm-hmm. lot, I'm thinking. But that makes they're sense. A lot fishers. of flannel. There yeah. could be yeah. a lot of crab fishermen there. Absolutely. women go and they're like, oh, he's cute. I'm going to go meet a guy I met online. They go to Alaska. They're like, no, I'm, we're not living here. Rhode, Rhode Island? Rhode what Island. is it? Why? Why? <laughs> why are there more single men there? And then you say most single women. 
Mississippi, Georgia, and Vermont. Now, hold on a damn second. Vermont is number one in single men and number three in single women. Don't you people know each other? <laughs> Aren't you in the same? It's Vermont. You can hit a golf ball across that state. It's not that big. They should be getting together with one another, so to speak. That's weird. Every it must be the loneliest state on earth. And for most divorces, it's number ten. So everyone in Vermont is, is peering single. out their window, Everyone's looking single. at other single people, <laughs> and going, "Look at them! Well, they look single." Get together. No, not going to do it. Not going to do it. They're too busy with maple I'm gonna, syrup. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to probably bad chance of running into a cousin though. Oh, oh there it is. Yeah. There it is. Well, your grandma's March. Oh, my grandma's oh. March. Oh, that's not going to do. I used to have a cousin, Lisa. <laughs> What's your name again? Stop asking questions. <laughs> Just stop asking questions at that point. Will you be skipping Valentine's Day, though? Because it's too expensive? It is mm. getting pricey. It's unbelievable. I mean, the cost of everything is up. So, yeah, I, I don't know that a lot of people this year will be able to I mean, A, afforded. It's one of those things that you're like, ah, is it worth the money? I mean, can you maybe convince, if you already have it a... It is an invented you, holiday yeah, by, like, the Hallmark true. people, right? if you right? already have a significant Candy other, companies. do you really need to impress them with Valentine's Day? Ouch. That's when you tell them every day is Valentine's Day with you. Yeah, all right, don't say that. And then you put on I, the eyes. Because then you're going to need to buy something. Yeah, and then you're going to have to, If you yeah, say that, you're going to need candy or Marvin flowers. Marvin Gaye in the background up. again. Get the Marvin Gaye singer. Have him come yeah, and sing. Yeah, I mean, it, it's working at the zoo. <laughs> mm-hmm. It'll work for you. Get them all together. All right. The law wins a lot. The law wins a lot. It's Bruce and Judy, and a good morning to you. Uh, happy Thursday. Thanks for spending time with us. Uh, we got to go and, and talk a little bit about Alderman Patrick Daly Thompson, who is in... <laughs> Stop me if you've heard this before. An alderman in federal court facing uh, a variety of, of charges. This goes back to a, a loan he received from a bank. A, a questionable loan might be a nice way to put it. Uh, allegedly. It's like I'm a criminal of the day, for God's sakes. Allegedly. Uh, he met a guy at a golf tournament. The guy happened to run a bank. And the guy proceeded to give... Alderman Daly Thompson, alone, alone with no collateral and alone with no expectation of repaying it. Some people might not call that a loan. All right. It ended up being over 200 grand. Okay. The issue is it's like a, it's just like Al Capone. We were just away. It's the tax issue. So apparently on his taxes, he was repaying the loan on his taxes while never actually repaying any of the money. But there, do you understand what I mean by mm-hmm. that? And so, you know, the feds have been asking some pointed questions. His defense so far is, I mean, I, I get frazzled. I'm you know, so I don't, disorganized. I, don't, I can't God. remember. Is that a 1099? Did I write that check? Three, I'm a lawyer and an alderman. I who has uh, the time to repay $200,000 in quote-unquote free money? But the latest is that, uh, so the trial is underway, okay? So we are in, in federal court and, and having this, and now uh, the whole case might get blown up because some people were chatting during the lunch break? Well, one of the prosecution witnesses, uh, CPA, who, who helped prepare Thompson's returns... Um, 
and also testified that he filled out detailed organ detailed documents. Um, so it's a prosecution witness. And then, of course, the judge says, okay, you've testified here. Don't talk about your testimony. Do not discuss right. testimony outside the courtroom. Right. That's kind of I won't say standard, but you hear that a lot, right? Yeah, yeah right. it's like the one thing you're not supposed to do. Don't go outside and then tell everybody. Okay. Yeah. I'm including going home and talking about uh, to yeah, anyone. You, you can't talk yeah. about it. Nobody goes home and talks to their wife or husband about the testimony. Yes, okay. they all do. Yeah. They, so yeah. this guy, he's having lunch with his co-workers at the same firm, mm-hmm. accounting firm, and he's overheard talking about it, saying stuff like, so, yeah, they're trying to, they're trying to get you. So he's sitting at the lunch table. Possibly in the, you know, federal building. Dear God, I hope it was not in the federal building they're itself. At, they're at the Sabaros. I'm trying to think even, is there, I don't think they even have yeah. that don't, in the federal Don't building. have lunch yeah. right Wherever there next to it. They have lunch. a cafeteria there. Yeah. Do they? Okay. And then you've okay. got Remember. other people involved in the case sitting there, and this uh, guy. Presumably, Daly Thompson's lawyers. Right. You know, and someone like, who's, he just said gotcha. He said they're trying to play gotcha. We're, get, get. This guy's sitting here yapping about the case. And the other two employees of the firm were also scheduled to testify. That's the problem, too. So that gets into the whole thing about, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this may throw the case. No, federal judges are never interested in throwing out a case or restarting a trial. And already the judge, instead of putting, he might. So now they're down to sanctioning this guy, which could mean jail time. But they're not going to go... Nothing nothing came of this really substantial that would, I think, throw out the case at this point. The judge has already said no, and the other employee who went and testified, it was like two two questions. It was nothing major, so... Judge Valderrama, who was described as irate... By the way, it's never good to stand in front of an irate <laughs> district court judge... Uh, uh, chastised the uh, the man saying you went and did directly what I told you not to do. Mm-hmm. Remember, judges have unbelievable latitude in issuing orders. And, you know, if they tell you you now have to do jumping jacks on the side of the courtroom for 30 minutes, guess what? Start jumping. Okay? Mm-hmm. That's a federal judge ordered you to do it. You can't, but I don't you, they don't care. <laughs> they just flat don't care. Yeah. And they're yeah they're they, they don't play games. Federal judges are don't allow any shenanigans in there. Yeah, be careful with that word. Careful with that word. I've never. I've never. I, let me see. Yeah, I've testified before. Mm-hmm. Decent case. Uh, drunk driving case. Mm-hmm. I was a witness. I tried to. They. I got called for jury duty one time in McHenry County, where I used to live. That's where I grew up in McHenry County. I tried to tell them, I don't live in McHenry County anymore. I cannot testify, or I cannot uh, serve, sit, in McHenry serve, in, County. In the, yeah. in, serve in McHenry County. They're like, well, you got to show up anyway. Oh, really? They're like, show, show us your, like, prove to us that you don't live in McHenry prove County anymore. Prove to me you don't live yeah. here. And I was like, here's my uh, driver's license with a here. Chicago address. Yeah. And they're just like, nah, you still got to show up. So I take oh. off work. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And I go there and they're just like, do you have anything to tell us before you go into the, you know, the whole yeah. process? I'm like, I don't live yeah, here. I do. I don't live in McKenna. They're like, is your address correct? I said, no, I told y'all this is not correct. And they're like, oh, well, you can't serve. Yeah. Oh, and I thought it was still your fault. And it was still my fault. <laughs> and they were so mad at me. Yeah. And it's uh, unbelievable. so I don't know. I'm not super psyched about the day I, I do get called. 
Okay. I'm, I'm actually interested in being on a jury. I think it'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm interested in the process. You've never been on a jury? Well, I, I can't make it past jury selection mm. because <laughs> apparently I'm honest and that is not uh, what they're looking for. I, I was sitting, you know, they do the jury pool. Mm-hmm. Sure. And then they get to question. Uh, the, you know, the, 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 uh, yeah, they question the jury. Defense yeah. and prosecutors get to get rid of people. And it was a, the, another one I was, call, I was called jury for was a drunk driving case. And the uh, defense attorney says, uh, before we start, do any of you have any preconceived notions about drunk driving? <laughs> That's a pretty dumb question. My my hand goes it's up. It's a really dumb question. My hand goes up and I, and he goes, yes, juror number t- uh, 123. I go, it's wrong? And he says, <laughs> you're dismissed. I went, what? <laughs> I looked at the judge. I go, that gets me kicked out? But there's some wow. guy that's sitting there is like, yeah, I'm morally ambiguous on it. And I'm like looking at the other people. You guys are all okay with this? I mean, What you just like, said uh, is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Uh, yeah. I okay, I it. actually, I think enough time has passed. I won't be arrested. I actually asked... A question like that, so I would be dismissed. I didn't. I wasn't and, trying to get kicked I, off. But I and there's an easy way to do it. And how odd is this? I worked at the Tribune. I worked for the Tribune Company. As did John Cass, columnist John Cass. We were both in the same jury pool. I'm like, mm, how wow. does this happen? Interesting, how, isn't it? He had to serve, and I didn't because once I found out what the case was, I was like, oh God, I will no. This is going to be so dumb and boring. I don't want this case. I, I was like, I don't want that. I, don't I want better case. I the case. Can you guys give me something like maybe like a serial killer type <laughs> I thing? I was you know, I need something a little more exciting. Yeah, I'm like, this is, and I Jazz know how it's going to go. So I said when they questioned me, he said, "Do you have any questions?" And I said, "Is there going to be a uh, is there going to be a cap on the amount of money we can give your client?" Oh. oh, he looked at me, he looked at the judge, said, I would like her excused, and I don't want to tell you the um, finger motion that John Cass gave me on the way out. Oh. He was so mad. He <laughs> was like, are you kidding? That? And then he had to serve, Why and it was, it was a dumb case, you guys, and he said it was a week. A week out of his life, because people were like, oh, I think they should get some money. Well, I don't think they, because that's how juries are. It's already yeah. served in a jury, and I knew. Anyway, I got it. Yeah, I'm going to need, if I'm going to sit on a jury, I'm going to need like a Clarence Darrow style. Yeah, you're going to need a good uh, lawyer who's going to be Now, counselor, I'd like to ask a few questions. <laughs> you, <laughs> you need a good, you want a southern gentleman uh, attorney up here in Chicago is yeah, what I you're looking for, right? Leghorn up here. I'd say, boy. Uh, <laughs> now, man, you know you cannot <laughs> lie in this court. <laughs> Yeah. But Good it luck. is, it is, I thoroughly enjoy, I did serve again uh, one time and it was like a little car accident and I, it, it, you have to serve just to understand what goes on in the jury room. People are, I want to, never going to get invited. You, you got to keep your mouth closed. The one party no one ever wants to get invited to. <laughs> jury duty. Jury duty. I don't know. I've, I tried and they won't even let me on. <laughs> I mean, come on. How much more do you got to do? Maybe they've heard the criminal of the day and they've decided that maybe I, I shouldn't be involved. But we still got time for it. I got to give a shout out to the 19 year old. Do you pronounce it Gelf? Canadia? Gelf? G U E L P H. I'm going with Gelf, Canadia. Uh, a woman who certainly made it easier on the cops. Allegedly, the woman was pulled over on the University of Gelf campus around 2 30 in the morning. The officer asked for her driver's license, and instead of handing over a state-issued ID, she gave the officer a gift card instead. A gift card for the LCBO, which I had to look up, is the Liquor Control Board of Ontario, the province's official beer and wine retailer. 
So while producing the gift card for booze, the cop noticed an odor of alcohol, despite the driver's claim that she hadn't been drinking. After failing a field sobriety test, the woman finally admitted, okay, I might have been drinking. And at that point, I'm guessing she handed over, what, a library card? Close, but no cigar. <laughs> Gelf police charged the woman with impaired driving, suspended her actual driver's license for 90 days, and have impounded her vehicle for two weeks. And because it's Canada, she had to say sorry. Okay. So for giving the cop a gift card to a liquor shop as your ID while driving drunk, you, Canadian woman, are the Bruce St. James Show. Criminal of the day, all suspects described above, should be considered innocent until found guilty in a court of law, no matter how crazy they are. Hey, good morning and a happy Thursday to you. We're going to jump into this hour, taking a look ahead. Now, you've all heard about participation trophies and making everyone feel like a winner. But can learning to lose set you up for success later in life? We'll tell you after 645. And at 630, Governor Prisker has announced the plan to end the statewide indoor mask mandate on February 28th. But he's not including schools. We're talking about it. You can tell us what you think at 312-591-8900. And in just a few minutes, lay down your bets. 31 million Americans will be putting money on the Super Bowl this year. Are you? Tell us if you got to win the big game, and we'll tell you some of this year's most insane proposition bets. But first, Mayor Lightfoot has a transparency problem. In recently published emails, uh, Mayor Lightfoot has asked for no more correspondence that isn't protected against Freedom of Information Act. Ironically, those emails themselves are not protected from the Freedom of Information Act. So joining us to talk about what the heck is going on in Lightfoot City Hall is Monica Eng of Axios Chicago. Good morning, Monica. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine. Isn't it ridiculous in and of itself that the Freedom of Information Act has produced documents out of the mayor's office saying stop talking about things that people can read with Freedom of Information Act requests. I think Alanis Morissette would call it ironic. It, it, thank you. Wow, outstanding. Isn't it ironic? <laughs> well, it might be ironic, but really it's not that surprising, right? I mean, I, th I feel like every politician tries to do this. It's just that in her case, as always, you know, we've talked about this many, many times with Mayor Lightfoot. She promised voters that she was going to be one way and she's and so then we get things like this and she it turns out she's not she you know she's going to be the mayor who's going to shine the light on everything and, and let everything be an open book and now we hear that that's not what she's doing yeah well she campaigned on a platform of bring in the light and in her uh, state of the city address in 2019 she talked about um, ushering a new era of transparency and, um, you know, one, one could strongly argue that these emails and some recent events uh, don't exactly reflect that. Well, it, it brings it brings up a question, Monica, of what else don't we know? Do, do you know what I'm saying? If, if the mayor and her staff are actively trying to prevent emails, text messages, communications, memos, so that journalists, the public can't see what they're doing... Well, that lead that listen. It leads your imagination to go. Well, what else are you hiding? Yeah, as a journalist, it's extremely frustrating because um, we, you know, we, we want transparency in government. We want to be able to applaud the government when they do great things, but call them out when when they're not. And when someone seems to be actively hiding the operations of government and telling their aides to do that, it's it's really troubling. 
And these were emails involving CPS, right? Chicago Public Schools? Um, so the emails that I requested um, had to do with Chicago Public Schools. You know, there were all sorts of rumors flying around about laptops and and disagreements between the CPS CEO, Pedro Martinez, and the mayor. And we don't like to go on rumors and conjecture. So we conjecture. We, we wanted to see the documents to see if, you know, I don't like to repeat rumors, but like sure. ideas that, that the mayor had, you know, prevented uh, the, the CPS CEO from allowing kids to take laptops home because she wanted to stop remote learning from happening. Um, I, I thought maybe that would be in there, but uh, instead I got 32 pages of almost entirely, entirely blacked out emails, and they needed two extensions to get me those. I said, oh, we're working on your, your request, Monica. Um, you know, we can get to you soon. Oh, Monica, we need another extension for it. And I'm like, okay, well, they're really preparing something substantial. And I got nothing, basically. Yeah, I mean, listen, Mayor Lightfoot, I think, has a variety of issues. <laughs> Might be understating it, to say the least. But I, I don't how, understand how she thinks this plays, unless she thinks that the idea that hiding more and being less transparent and the, the, the leaks, if you will, about them saying, hey, don't put anything in writing is less damaging than what the heck they're actually talking about. That, that is pretty troubling. Yeah. I mean, if, if sending me pages of completely blacked out emails is less incriminating than, than what I might actually read, that's a troubling thought. Yeah. And we don't know that, right? We don't, you never did get to the bottom of it, the, the computer well, question. So, and Right. So I asked them, I said, I said, can you please explain these redactions to me? And what I asked for, you know, was, can you please go one by one each email? I'm, you know, I'm blocking out this email because it contains uh, personal information of a, you know, a minor. Sure. Or I'm blocking out this email because it is discussion between a lawyer and uh, it's, it's got attorney-client privilege protection. And I didn't get that. All I got was, here are some reasons you would, um, you would uh, redact a FOIA, and, and uh, we used a bunch of these reasons. So I'm going to go back to CPS and say, please go email by email, section by section, because that's basically what the Chicago Tribune lawsuit is about. They say you have blocked us from these emails uh, and, and correspondence that we have FOIA'd about uh, worker misconduct, and we do not believe that these should be redacted. And in fact, the Illinois Attorney General has ruled that we were, um, that we were uh, I think the word, I don't want to say illegally denied, but um, they were not supposed to be denied. Right. And, and the mayor's office is like, well, I mean, they're, they're not complying despite the ruling of the Illinois Attorney General that, that the it's, Tribune should have gotten those emails. It's, it's disappointing well, on like every level. And it sounds kind of like what we've been hearing about the mayor. That she can't, you know, she's like, she can't, not finagle, I don't want to use that word. She can't pivot. She can't, if someone tells her to do something, she, you know, or tells her she can't do something, she just is stuck in that, you know, don't tell me what not to do kind of thing, regardless of how it looks or, or what it means. Well, I mean, one would hope that after a ruling from the Illinois Attorney General came down saying you need to share these documents, the city would comply. Apparently, the law department says they're they're looking at the Illinois Attorney General's ruling. I'm going to do the same. I'm going to it's called a request for review. Go to the Illinois Attorney General and say I believe that I was 
um, unreasonably denied these documents and they take a look at it and they make a ruling, but it's non-binding. So sometimes city agencies say, yeah, I don't care. And then you you have to take them to court. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Monica, keep up the good fight, please. Well, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Monica Ng with Axios Chicago on the trouble with transparency in City Hall as through some of the uh, the Freedom of Information Act requests, we've gotten documents where the mayor is specifically saying, stop talking about these things because they might show up in a Freedom of Information Act request. Yeah, like... Th- I mean, and then the just, ones they is she did. she just trying to talk herself into yeah. jail? Like, I don't understand what the what the long game is The ones here. they did get are all redacted. And just all you blacked can't even, out. Yeah, it's yeah. very, very disturbing. Super Bowl coming up on Sunday. Maybe you're watching for the commercials. That's a whole nother thing. Don't get me started on that. Hey, good morning to you. A happy Thursday. It's Super Bowl. It's unfair that they put it so close to Valentine's Day because these things are really in competition with one another. If you think about it, I, I really do. You know, for some people, what are you looking forward to this weekend? Yeah, right. I, I already told my fiance, I'm like, yeah, yeah, Sunday, I'm sitting on my duff. Kind of, I'm blocked out. Uh, uh, group, I think you should group them together. I'm unavailable for comment. Oh, yeah. The, the do a super, super Bowl. Yeah, Super Valentine's Day. Super Valentine's Day. Yeah, take take your, uh, your loved one shopping for their favorite jersey. There you go. Yeah, they're going to love that. going to get Joe Burrow jersey. Yeah, there you go. I plan to have lobster tail during the Super Bowl. That's going to be, I'm putting them together. Well, you know, a lot of people, it's interesting because I I just saw a piece. I was watching uh, Real Sports on HBO. Mm -hmm. And uh, they talked about uh, betting in sports and how quickly um, the attitude has changed. I mean, it wasn't but a couple of years ago that the four major sports, basketball, hockey, football, and baseball, discouraged betting. They wouldn't allow advertising for casinos or sports books or online gambling anywhere near players, stadiums, etc. Now they have the sports book inside the actual stadium, uh, the Washington Wizards and Capitals are owned by the same dude. But they have a sports book inside the place there in D.C. where you can sit there. You're not you would not. You're watching the game on TV, the game that's happening on the other side of that <laughs> wall, by the way. OK, and you're gambling and betting along the way. And what we find is that a lot of people what used to be, OK, I'm going to bet who wins or loses. And there was a line, you know, if they win by more than five, yay, I win, or whatever it might be. It's all the other bets now. Yeah. It's all of the little things you can bet on over the course of the game. Because once you bet on who wins or who loses, you're done, right? And then you sit there and wait for the end. Or but, like the squares in the office. That's I'm jumping from that all the way to official betting now this time. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, and you bet what what happens every quarter, what the score is going to be, the, you know, if you ended a 7 or a 3 or oh, so, but, yeah. but the bets Simple are and, yeah. are who's going are they going to run the ball next or pass the ball? I love those. Uh, uh who which field goal kicker will kick the first field goal? Will they kick a will they kick longer than 50? Will they miss? Like you can bet on almost anything. 7.6 billion dollars. Ooh is going to be bet, is the estimate, some of it even legal, <laughs> uh, on on the Super Bowl, 31 million Americans 
will place a wager in some way, shape, or form on the Super Bowl this year. I bet a lot of first-timers, too. I mean, do you Oh, imagine? like me? Yeah, I already I asked But my, it's so much easier. Yeah, well, I know. I, I've got to get an app, I guess. There's an app for that. My yeah. son has an app, and it's funny because I said, hey, could you place a bet for me? And he's like, well, who do you want? And I said, I don't want anyone. I want to know. I want to guess what color the Gatorade's going to be or... And he wasn't interested in that. He was just <laughs> he wants the he wants the which, real. And thing. by the way, because he's a he's a better. He was very up in the air still about which team. Hmm. I think like a really? lot of people are. Yeah, mm. I don't think it's a. It's mm. one of really. Where do you? What are you, Bruce? Oh, the Rams are absolutely. Favorite. It's the Rams. Yeah, well, but see, but favorite. not everyone is saying that, and everyone's like, hmm, this could be a much closer game, and they're you just don't know. I mean, I'd like, like to Bengals see the Rams could, lose. I'd like to see the Bengals do something. Yeah, yeah exactly. I have a dog in the fight. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I don't just, care about either team. Whether or not Rams are the favorite. Yeah. Rams are favorite. Oh, Absolutely, no doubt. no doubt. Oh, here's a good one. What team's jersey will Drake wear? Oh, Drake curse. Whoever's oh, I'm, Drake I'm definitely doing that one. If one team is winning more, <laughs> it'd be the better thing because Drake is a bit of a fair weather fan. Yeah, that's true. I think I'd seen a prop bet for Will Snoop Dogg smoke weed oh, yeah. during the halftime show. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying yes. I mean, the man's I been doing will. it every day. I think for, he will. Yeah. Oh, no. I've been around Stu. I've worked with Stu for oh. for years. And Snoop? Snoop a loop? He he he. He never stops smoking. Might be a nice way I, to put I, it. I, it's kind it's of like something where like, well, you know, what, you know, people start smoking. He goes, well, if you never stop, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's <laughs> it's pretty constant. Not gonna lie. Yeah. Okay, which company airs the first commercial after the coin toss? That's a good one. Mm-hmm. But the, the problem is, is it is it Skittles? The, Ooh, I think I'm going to go with. But Bud somebody Dodger. already knows that. I yeah, mean, you may not knows. know, but somebody like somebody at the network already knows that. How would they allow a bet like that? Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Then I guess huh. they'd have to see. Maybe that they'll... would be illegal, right? Like, oh yeah, if you knew the outcome of a bet, something like that, then yes. Like Snoop Dogg can't bet on whether or not he's going to smoke weed at the halftime show. But he can tell people he is. Maybe he's going to be it's a like good insider sport. insider betting. You know, Snoop seems like a nice guy, right, Bruce? He seems like a good dude. He's he not a gonna, good guy. He's not going to jeopardize the amount of money that someone might win on him. It's but, So you can even bet on the health of the players. Will a player leave the game and not return due to concussion protocol? I'm gonna, that, <laughs> I think that's a safe bet. Someone's going to leave. Due to that, I don't know. When. So you're saying, but here's the thing. So they put him in the blue tent, right? They get knocked silly. Used to just be part of the game. Now they put him in the blue tent. What player's gonna want to not go back in? And it's going to lie, cheat, and steal to do anything to keep playing in the Super Bowl. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But you can't nowadays, right? I mean, if you if they if you have a concussion, they have to you have to leave the field. Yeah, but a concussion is not something like a broken arm where it's obvious. Mm. Yeah, maybe I they just... had little tests for him. Yeah, yeah but I mean, can you fake? Can you uh, fake? Yes, you can. Not having a concussion? Absolutely. Absolute I fake similar. it every day. Yeah, I'm basically concussed every day I walk in here. <laughs> I thought you liked hitting your head on the uh, the desk. Here I know every right? segment. Yeah. Well, as a guy who's had about eight concussions now, I can tell you Yay. that you can absolutely do it. In fact, I uh, I had one at the racetrack, and uh, you know they ask you questions, and um, the EMT, the paramedic guy, goes, um, "Do you know where? Do you know where you are, or do you know what day it is?" Sorry, mm-hmm. and my 
jackhole friend standing next to him there goes, you're going to have to ask me your question. He didn't know that before he got in the car. <laughs> okay? We're going to have to get a little easier. Okay? So, uh, yeah, a lot of the prop bets up there. So, so over $7 billion will be wagered on a variety of, of different things. That's about how much a 30-second spot's going to cost. So. Yeah. I don't know. And, yeah. and how much will be lost? That's what I want to see. Mm, Show, send me yeah. your crying pictures Monday morning. Hey, good morning. It's Bruce and Judy, and we were uh, looking forward to old JB, the gov, uh, weighing in on mask mandates. It started to leak out a little bit about what he may or may not be talking about. And yesterday, Governor Pritzker said this. As we've seen these numbers peak at about 7,400 hospitalizations and heading downward significantly, we're now, I think, under 2,500. The intention is to uh, lift the mask mandate in indoor locations uh, by February 28th. Woohoo! Right? <laughs> A soft right? Although I wish it were today because it gives some time to, you know, God forbid the numbers change or the metrics or the colors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, now, while you may cheer that, okay, well, he went on to say something that might make you boo. Of course, we still have the sensitive locations of uh, K-12 schools where we have uh, lots of people who are, you know, joined together in smaller spaces, thousands of people interacting in one location at a time. Uh, and so that's something that will come weeks hence. <sighs> I'm not as affected by that, so, but I'm sure there are a lot of people. By the way, is is your school maskless today? Three one two five nine one eighty nine hundred. I just, it's all over the place still. Even it's though it's, it's it's a yeah. shotgun approach right. everywhere. I mean, the governor, it's, he's talking about um, you know public schools. So what what about the lawsuit that was filed? What about the Catholic schools? What about you know? Private schools, private schools, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. It just keeps going on and on and on like that. And you know, I, I, I say this. Like, I want. I want to speak to Doctor Arwady, and I and and I want to have a conversation with her. We we're going we're trying to get her back on. Because my thing to Doctor Arwady is, I think the problem is the longer you go with this, the more it sounds like the boy that cried wolf. The longer you go, the more people you're losing. People who are mm-hmm. on your side. People mm-hmm. who said, well, you know, and it's a global pandemic. I get it. Mm-hmm. People who said, oh, my God, what about our grandparents? People who said, what about the children? We need to be, okay. for all legitimate reasons. I think a lot of them have gotten to the point of, okay, moving on. <laughs> you know, just, no, we're not, we're not going to do this any longer. Right. I, I- I do believe, I've said this before, I think the fear is a spike. They're just so fearful. I'm going to tell you there's going to be a spike. Yeah. And I tell you those same people as don't long, give a hoot. Right. But and as long <laughs> as the spike isn't, you know, doesn't change things. I mean, you're right. It's going to go up and down. But I, I just, there. it's like baby steps. No one wants to take that huge leap, including Governor Pritzker, which is why, you know, well, we're going to take the masks off, but. Not just right now. Yeah, but we're, see, and, and, and here's what I think we're, we're not taking into account, especially since the uh, the Omicron variant, where, I mean, how many people do you know who got COVID? It seems like practically everybody, right? A lot of people, yeah. So yeah, we know I it's going to be a while before they can get it again. We mm-hmm. know that the vaccination rates are up. 
uh, people are are getting vaccinated, one, two booster, whatever it might be. What what more? Do, do you know what I'm saying? Like what more? And and take the mask. Stop with the vaccine mandates. And let's let's move on. And you know what? There's going to be spikes. And there's going to be variants that are worse. And there's going to be variants that are less harmful. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I've accepted all that risk. I've accepted it all. I'm fine. And as evidenced by the fact that I can go to other states. I can, I can drive 30 minutes, 20 minutes without traffic uh, into Indiana. And I don't need to wear a mask anywhere except the airport. You know, it's just flat, not something yeah, that exists. But there, there are still people who don't want to get COVID, who have not gotten COVID and don't want to get COVID for health reasons. They should quarantine so, themselves. They should mask up and they should do everything mm-hmm. in their power to make sure they don't get sick. I 100 percent support those decisions. Yeah. Why is it well, my problem? It's not your problem. It's just that, you know, if if everyone doesn't do their part, it doesn't work. So say the, you know what I mean? Even but, that but person who messed up, but if you're, if you have COVID and you don't care and you're out in a small space and even the person with the mask on, as we know, it helps, but it's not foolproof. Not foolproof. That not 100%, person, yeah, sure. could still get COVID. So yeah. there, that, that's the issue. But, you know, I agree. We're, we're so far. It's, oh my gosh, it's been, it's been too long. It's time. You know, even though it, I was those, I was willing to do my part to help that person who did, who couldn't get COVID because I'm, they might absolutely. die. And I, I was still, worried about my mom. I was yeah, worried about but, you know, absolutely. Right. And I'm still worried, but we can't. It, there, the, I think the time is right. The the, met, the numbers are down. The the metrics are good. So I'm now willing to say I did my part, and I'm and I. I don't think I, mean, I need to a, wear the mask anymore. There is a but huge... I, but believe me, if I am sick, you know, I will still be very careful about that. And that's the key, I think. People who are sick, especially in schools, I hate to say it, kids go to school sick all the time. Schools are incubators of germs. If I were a teacher, I would never take that mask off if I were a teacher. But, okay, fine. Yeah. And and that mm-hmm. is a decision. I'm not going to chastise someone for wearing a mask. No, absolutely, you can't because you, you, there you are still people who are going to have to do it. Yeah, I, I have a I have a friend whose wife ha- a wife has MS, and and got the vaccine, but they found that. And I didn't. I you know believe me, how the human body works is well beyond my understanding. But they did the the antibody test just a, a while later. And they were all gone. Like it, it, uh, the vaccine in her body wasn't sticking. Mm. Uh, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, that that she would need to have vaccines yeah. constantly they, because well, of her. A good, that's a great immune point. system. They don't know how long it lasts in anyone. Yeah. Everyone's different. There's no when they talk about immunity and stuff. Well, hopefully it's three months, but they don't really know. Yeah. And I mean, as we know, I had COVID and I was sick. I was surprised at how sick I was because I assumed. I'm boosted. You have your vaccine. But, you know, I do have a little bit of a health issue that I had cancer and that I might have a an immune system that's not as, you know, ripe and strong as, say, yours. Yeah. So. But we know that two people could be identical, Mm -hmm. identical twins and have completely different outcomes. Yep. Get infected at the same time from the same person, do everything the same. And one of them ends up in the ICU and the other one sneezes twice. Mm -hmm. Right. It's just this life, right? It's just the way it's always been. Yeah. COVID didn't change any of that. That's how it always is. Yeah. 
And I always say, if California's doing it, we should do it. As in? They're going to take their, their, oh, getting their, rid of the their mitigations. Mandate. Yeah, it's like because they were so strict. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Neil. Yes. How are you? Very good this morning. How are you? Fine. Thank you. Where are you on this? Um, down here where I live. Uh, most people haven't worn a mask for over two years. Yeah. Where is that, by the way? What, what part? Central Illinois. Okay. And uh, when you guys closed all the bars and everything, ours all stayed open down here. Yeah, like the rest of the country. Yeah, like so many other places. There was, yeah, you you you, you travel outside of of Chicago, and there are no mitigations. This idea that that uh, uh, because the governor says there's a mask mandate means people are going to follow it. They they're not. And so, no. I mean, and my whole thing is, let's deal with the reality of it. The reality is they're not going to do it. Yeah. But did you, Neil, no. do you know anyone who got sick or who died? Um, no. Mm. I knew mm. people got sick, but um, they recovered. Uh, and a few of them were vaccinated, and they got it real bad, so. Mm. Yeah. Hey, good morning. A happy Thursday. Happy almost Friday to you, for goodness sakes. It's Bruce and Judy. And, you know, I've, I've always heard the term, you, you learn you learn more by losing than you do by winning. Um, and I think it starts at a pretty young age. You know, it has to do with a lot with your experiences and maybe uh, how you do it. Because, you know, there is information out there now that, you know, you, you probably learn more by losing and how you deal with losing than you do by winning especially if you're just winning easily all the time right, right. yeah it's it's good to be a good loser right Ugh. i mean and you know it's funny because Horrific. having had three kids you have to teach them how to do that too because they know how to their idea of losing is generally bursting into tears running to mommy Come here, you oh, you're so good. You should have. Can you won. throw yourself on the floor? Yeah, is that, is that acceptable? Absolutely, have acceptable a tantrum. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, in an early age, we had to because there was a lot of losing, you know, in the family. A lot of winning too, but you have to say things like, you know what, you did great. Of course, it was someone had to lose. It happened to be you this time. Yeah. Um, but you know, we would always try to focus on the good things. Like, well, you know what, that you made a great play in you know the third quarter. Wow, but, great effort. Yeah, great effort. Right. <laughs> the e um, for effort. I mean, we wouldn't go overboard like that. It was, <laughs> and if it was a total loss, if it was just such a bad loss, we were just like, do you want to go get ice cream? One year day. There's, yeah, one year day. I one year day. You don't suck, but your team does. So I I got the exact opposite um, reinforcement. Uh, I, I specifically remember my dad telling me if it's worth doing, it's worth winning. Uh, and when I was a little kid, I swam on swim team. It was like, like in between the ages of seven and 12, it was mm -hmm. like 12 and under yeah, sure. or something like that. And I was on swim team. And at a very young age, my mother still tells a story. And I don't know where this, you know, again, I'm, I'm blaming dad for instilling this in me. <laughs> All I knew is the blue ribbons were the good ones. Oh, yes, mm. first place. But they would give ribbons like all the way down to like ninth place, green yeah. for ninth, white for eighth. You know, yeah, uh, participant. They, yeah. they they gave everybody got a ribbon. Right. I would leave all the other colored ribbons right there at the pool. Like when they give them to you, I would just set them down and I would carry the blue ones home. Okay, so I would say that maybe is a bad loser. Oh, absolutely. And not only am I a bad loser, 
I think good losers are people that have gotten good at losing, and I never wanted to get good at losing. Mm. Loser, I hated losing. Are you feeling sorry for yourself? Well, you should be, because you are dirt. You make me sick, you big baby. Baby, want a bottle? A big dirt bottle? I played. I played soccer. I played on a team that for three years we didn't lose a game. I. I. I not because of me. I, I, I'm not gonna, I'm, but I mean, I was okay. Don't get me wrong. But but I just I was never around it, and and so losing was really difficult. When I started racing, um, you can't win every race as much as you try. No one ever has, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and. It, I, I did not deal with losing. It's a whole new feeling, huh? But then you have to ask yourself, is it... I hurt myself a lot. Is it better mm -hmm. to... You know, crash to, in the car because I was like, I, I would rather... Go I, down I, in flames. Absolutely, you know? than yeah. lose. Oh, God. Okay, I just keep going faster and faster until I hit something. Is that a, do you think that's a male that's, thing? That's not good. I, yeah. I've definitely felt that, though. I, when I've been like... I was like, well, I'm just not trying hard enough. Yeah, and I really I'm not don't trying hard enough. So here's something interesting. And, and, and tell me if this makes sense. Because, again, r r racing cars gives you a different perspective. I'm less focused on winning than I am on not losing. Does that make sense? Mm. Like, when I win, and I do, so get that out of your heads. <laughs> it's not elation, it's relief. Okay. At, at when I lose, lose, you are in a whole different arena here. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I want, you're I'm trying so to avoid losing. Right. I want to avoid losing. That you're not, you don't even enjoy the win. No. There's, and there's something wrong with that. Yeah. Right. Well, there's a variety of things wrong yeah. with me, but that might be one of them. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, that's too bad. I'm because, going back to dad. If yeah. it's worth doing, it's worth winning. Because I think the win, you know, you should always enjoy the victory, right? If you, oh, it's relief. If you got, see, that's it's relief. Oh, oh, that's terrible. I feel bad for you about yeah. that. Yeah. Always remember, if you ain't first, you're last. last. But here's the thing Second I want to say: second place is the first loser. You, but if you continue to do it, that's a good thing too. Win or lose, and you continue because yeah. in your case, if it's a relief. It's almost like why do it? You're just you're almost torturing yourself, right? I enjoy the torture. You it's called the it. grind yeah. set. Yeah, you yes, enjoy the yeah. sigma <laughs> grind set. So you're I looking think at a subconsciously, Bruce, you do you do enjoy the victory, but you don't let yourself do it. You don't you make subconsciously you're like oh, I can't I can't enjoy this. Yeah, like, just, I see people that when they win races, they're doing backflips and they're jumping around, and I'm like, I get out of the car, and I'm like, yeah, okay, good. Whew. You're thinking about the next race. At least we didn't lose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least we didn't lose, right? Interesting. Hmm. I mean, but it's uh, you know, I I I I I'm not going to argue that it's the healthiest thing. But again, I think I grew up with a certain amount of that. I did, I didn't grow up in a, at least in an era none of us did necessarily with you know it's okay to lose. No, it was never okay to lose in my household. That's Absolutely not. We, I'm we, lucky. I played soccer. You played to win. You swam on the swim team. You better win. You're here to win. You got to practice every single day. You better not yeah. lose on no, the weekend. I mean, I think that's how we were. It's just that if they didn't win, it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't a crushing blow. What What happens when you didn't win? Then were your parents extremely disappointed in you? I don't remember. So, I, 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 so I'm going to say they weren't, because you would yeah, remember I would, that. I, would, yeah. I wasn't so, punished yeah. or anything. It so wasn't like I always, had to go yeah. sit in the closet Burst if I didn't win. The yeah, <laughs> twice today. Yeah, I know I wasn't punished by it. But but again, there was an expectation of winning. Yeah, The expectation was to finish first. I, I, that was never unclear. Yeah, I think that, but that's like everywhere. It's how you handle the loss. It's how, what, and I agree that I, I don't think we Throw should. Throw yourself like, on the floor and have a tantrum. <laughs> Burst out crying, yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I, I don't even have the psychological skills to 
<laughs> say anything about this topic because I'm like, I don't know. And that's why you're not an Olympian. Yeah, apparently. There's your problem. There's, your problem <laughs> There's only there, one gold medal, though, remember? Exactly. Everyone else loses. <laughs> you win oh. the gold. Everything else is given to you. Remember that. You win the gold. Come on, give him the silver and bronze to him. It's the they're, Olympics. They're given to him. That's the losers. The day I see someone throw that silver on the ground will be the day I stop watching. If I was now, in the Bruce Olympics, was there, he would have done it. I'd, I'd, that's right. I'd leave it right there on the podium. No, the judge would go to, <laughs> right to give it to Bruce, and he would be nope. like, no, thank you. No, thank I'm you. I'm good. I'm good. You should see that they actually they've had that in soccer. In soccer, they, you know the the champions get the get a goal, and they the the losers. And when they go to put it on, they duck and just put it on the ground. They don't want the second oh place. Goodness. I love that. <laughs> um, hey, good morning, yeah, happy Thursday, and here's what's coming up in the seven o'clock hour at seven forty five. Does it get harder to make friends? When you get older, or even keep up with your old pals, you get to tell us how to keep your friendships going at 312-591-8900. And after 7.30, gubernatorial candidate Darren Bailey talks to us about Governor Pritzker's new mask plan and whether he's doing enough to roll back pandemic mask and vax policies. And the new documentary, The Loyola Project, brings the game that changed college basketball to life. We're going to talk to the director in just a few minutes. But first, the United States Postal Service has been uh, relieved of millions in liabilities in a bipartisan effort to modernize mail service. But is it already too little too late? Have we moved on from a national mail service? Let's talk about it. 312-591-8900. Count me as one that has no use for the Postal Service. That is not a slam on the people that deliver the mail. I'm sure it's a difficult job. I'm glad you do it. I have no use for you people. I still use the mail. Do you use the mail? 312-591-8900. I do. I I like to mail cards sometimes. I still do a couple of bills through the mail. I send things. I just don't send it with the Postal Service. I don't trust them to do it. I don't like their attitudes. So if you have I to send an envelope, you... UPS. Hmm. FedEx. Um, I, I do worry. I, I, I have to admit it. I do worry that it will get there. Uh, I have had so many so much mail lost in the mail, as it were. Some days I don't get mail. Okay, sometimes I don't get mail for days. Yeah, but so, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know that you didn't get something, right? That's the frustrating part. You don't that's know. Terrible, but I do know when I didn't get something. That's I don't the know. problem. I don't, well, and then you try to track that, try to do that with the Postal Service. So my point being, the Postal, it's, it's been bad for years. You've I got mean, mail. There are some, sometimes I, I didn't get mail for a week. You know, and it's just, oh, well, just don't have mail this week. So, yeah, uh, rescuing the Postal Service from itself, I don't know if that's even worth it these days. Yeah, I just don't. I think we're too far gone. Yeah. Well, I, 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 you know, the Postal Service have, has dug this hole and, and doesn't. They're to blame for a lot of it themselves. These uh, images or perceptions we have of the Postal Service. They're based on our experiences. I didn't, I'm not making it up. How many times have we heard stories of, you know, oh, we found a pile of burning mail out in the desert. Oh, we found, you know, Chicago is. Right. Wasn't there a guy who was putting mail in like a storage, like a public storage unit or one of those things? Come on. And I mean, as you said, Bruce, shout out to the mail carriers. They're just doing their job. But some of them are, you know, I, I don't. I'm not surprised that some of them have given up. They're just overwhelmed. They don't know what to do. And that from the top brass down, it's just not working. But what what do we do if we don't have a national 
more or less, you know, free mail delivery or have it just a, a national mail delivery yeah, service. Yeah, because it ain't free. And yeah, as a matter of fact, it goes up all the time. Right. And as a matter of fact, the I wouldn't notice the difference if it just stopped. Yeah. But how am I going to get my coupons to Jet's Pizza? Yeah. Okay. That's well, interestingly, I, I think I mentioned the other day I got my masks, or I'm sorry, my uh, COVID test from the government. You're allowed for the four tests. I signed up the it morning well, that they became available. Well, I haven't Bruce, seen Bruce, here's your problem. It comes through the mail. Right. Maybe exactly. you're not aware of that. I don't know if I'll ever The United it. States Postal yeah. Service delivers that. I was really surprised to see that, but why wouldn't they? Of course, they're going to use the Postal Service because they're not paying for that. Um, so you might get it next year. I don't know. You live in Yeah, Chicago. but the Postal Service is not a government entity. That's, That's the true. thing. It's yeah. not. Uh, it's just a really bad example of a public-private partnership, basically, uh, of the government doing it. Do you know how much money uh, USPS lost last year? It starts with a B as in billion. Yeah, $5 billion. Yeah. I mean, at what point do you close up shop? Exactly. It's, if it was a business, it wouldn't be open. Hey, Dave, up on the north side, what does mail look like up there? Oh, you are <laughs> on my favorite topic of of the time period right yeah. now. Uh, it's a nightmare and a horror, and I'm putting it mildly for uh, airtime, if you catch Fair my Fair enough. Deal. Thank you for, for a PG-13 it for us. This is PG-13 uh, mail conditions. The person uh, never sorts the mail for three years. She's a new person here. Three years may. She brings a bundle. After not coming for quite a few days, like we'll get the mail mm-hmm. Thursday, mm-hmm. nothing till Monday. And if it's cold or blizzardy, you're lucky if you get it on Tuesday. She throws it on the mail table. I am 73 years old. Yeah. I have to squat down like I'm going to lift something, you know, so it hurt my back. And gather it together. And I'm not paid to sort the mail. <laughs> it's not your job. <laughs> and I have called the post office 15 times and guess what? Uh-huh. It's a good old boy and girl society. She's the good guy, and I'm the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I hear you. I hear you. Hey, hey, Barb in Brookfield, what are you waiting for in the mail? I'm waiting for my property taxes. I've gone on to Facebook to find out if anyone's received their property taxes, and I know Cicero Township has, and I know Riverside Township has. I am in Lyons Township in Brookfield, and I spoke with my mail carrier, and I asked him, I says, do you have property taxes? And he's looking, and he goes, no. And I said, well, you know, you should probably have more mail to deliver because you're delivering <laughs> right. property taxes. You would think. And he doesn't even remember even having property taxes to deliver whenever, whenever they were mailed. A few years ago, I have a problem with the substitute carrier. A few years ago, it was a female carrier that was marking mail either – Return to sender or undeliverable. Uh-huh. I've been living here for 45 years, <gasps> and my mailbox is marked with the name, How's your name and on? yet she claimed she couldn't deliver it. It's unbelievable. They knew it because I was waiting for uh, a, an insurance mm-hmm. statement. But again, like they've done this to themselves. Like, everyone has their horror story about the mail. It's not that we're making this out of whole cloth. It's, it's not that, that you have to exaggerate it. It's really happening. My horror story was I, I had to send tickets for an event. And the event was in a week. All right. So I go to the post office right across the street from me here in the mean streets of Streeterville. And I send it today. Today. 
Mm. Right? I didn't yeah. say that's it overnight. That's not guaranteed anymore. I didn't two day. I didn't need overnight. Two day. Okay, fine. A week and a half later, they still couldn't tell me where the envelope was. Yeah. And I went. So why did I pay for two day again? Can you explain to me the, the the thought process behind that? And why would I ever trust you to handle anything that I absolutely needed to be somewhere? Yeah. There are you other can't. companies out there that I haven't had nearly the uh, 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 the nightmares with. And I think that's that becomes the issue. Will the postal service get any better here? I don't. I, I think it's baked in the cake. Okay. I, I I just they, think it's they have part a ten year business plan. So <laughs> <laughs> they've lost their minds. They have uh, lost their yeah. ever loving minds. It'll be interesting to see. Hey, good morning. Uh, happy Thursday to you. It's Bruce and Judy. Is that the Loyola Ramblers? Uh, Fight song? Is that's it? Okay, I apologize. That's I mean, a pretty good fight song. It's jaunty. Yes, <laughs> very jaunty. I think uh, they nailed it on the fight song. Uh, and you know what? You don't have to go back that far. What was it? Two thousand eighteen, and the uh, uh, Loyola Chicago Ramblers. We're in the final four. I mean, you talk about a Cinderella team. It was exciting. Uh, they were full-blown Cinderella. Might as well have worn dresses. Uh, that was exciting, and it was uh, really kind of got to what the core of basketball is about. You know, on any given day, five guys against five guys. Let's go have at it. And uh, Loyola did so well. But there's a new documentary out that's going to take us back uh, a little bit farther, back into the 60s. And joining us right now, he's the director of uh, the new film, The Loyola Project. Patrick Creedon. Patrick, good morning to you. Hey, Bruce. Good morning. How are you? Excellent to have you. And, and you know, I, I bring up the 2018 Ramblers because your documentary starts off with kind of showing the, the modern success of this team and then getting into and showing uh, really some of the men who were the building blocks and... Quite honestly, we're, 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 we're trailblazers in a lot of ways. I'm going to let you tell a little of the background. Yeah, you know, the 2018 Final Four run that Loyola did was unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, it's one of the great, <clears throat> it's one of the great college basketball stories of all time. There's Just a whole other movie in that, right? Yeah. Oh, exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and it was, they, they captured the hearts of the whole country. Yeah. yeah. Um, they also did something else. They, they reminded us of a story that happened a long time ago yeah. at Loyola. Uh, the 1963 Ramblers won the national championship, and uh, it's a great story. And uh, and and it's been told, you know, over the years, but it's kind of sort of faded it's away. Faded. I no, I, I wasn't aware of this whole story. Yeah, it has, and it's certainly outside of Chicago. Um, but there's a part of the story that that really i don't think it ever really been told and it's really the story of the guys on the team and the relationship with each other and the relationship with their coach what the road trips were like what it was like here on campus um the the it's weird because there was no one on that team that was super famous you know there wasn't a wilt chamberlain there wasn't an oscar robertson right uh it was five guys who were really good athletes they had great chemistry uh, and 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 four of them were were black athletes. That was really groundbreaking. It was really basically it was unheard of that there were four black starters on a college basketball team. Yeah. Why, and why we went was that? And, was and that looked, was that not allowed? You no, know, it's weird. Well, they called it. 
they called it the unwritten rule. Mm. And, 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 and college basketball coaches followed it as though it was like carved into a tablet and came down from a mountaintop or something. It was, it was a rule that people followed. It wasn't written down anywhere. It was just like a gentleman's agreement that, listen, if you're at home in front of your home crowd, you can play one black player. If you're on the road, wow. you can play two. If you're behind and you need, <laughs> you need a little bit of help, you- Maybe you can let three guys, three black players play. Jeez. And that was, that's what was happening. Now, down south, it was different. Down south, there, were, there really weren't any black players. At all. Uh, yeah. At all. Yeah. Uh, they weren't, I'm they, sorry, what they year really is weren't. this? 1963. 1963. Yeah. That's incredible. It's weird. You'd think it's, you'd think it's 1863. Yeah. Um, and so, so we kind of went back and, and wanted to find out who these five guys were. And what it was like to play on that team. And I got to tell you, it, their story is so much better because you find out what it felt like to be this trailblazing team. You kind of, the movie kind of takes you inside their bubble. And it's really, I'm really psyched about it. We're, the world premieres tonight. We're at the AMC 21 River East downtown. Mm-hmm. We have a big, splashy kind of world premiere. The movie plays on CBS Sports Network throughout February and March. And then the really cool thing is that Final Four weekend, CBS is airing the film on their main network, oh, which is wow. which is a big deal. They don't normally play documentaries on a no, Saturday no. afternoon. Yeah. Uh, again, um, we're talking, real quick, we're talking to Patrick Creedon, uh, director of The Loyola Project, the, the story of the 1963 Loyola Ramblers National Championship basketball team and breaking down racial barriers and 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 for many ways, fundamentally changing not just basketball, but sports. And, you know, in your documentary, you talk about the players themselves. And, you know, I, what I thought was kind of interesting is the perspective. Uh, did the guys know that they were trailblazers at the time? Kind of, but kind of not. Yeah. <laughs> so they would, in 1963, they would see people like Martin Luther King in the news. They'd see James Meredith. He, he was the guy who, he was the African-American who was the first uh, black student to enroll at Ole Miss. That was, a, that was nuts. That was the fall of 62. The president had to send down the National Guard. Two people died right. the day that he enrolled. I mean, it, you know, it was crazy. Horrible. Yeah. So there was this interesting back and forth between what was going on in the news and what was going on inside of this basketball team. And what ended up happening was, you know, college basketball was still kind of a baby at the time. But by the end of the season, here comes the Loyola Ramblers with four black starters on national TV fighting for the national championship. Wow. I mean, it was, they kind of suddenly found themselves right in the middle. Yeah, unintentionally. They weren't doing it on purpose. Hey, they were just trying to win. But that was (laughs) my question. Was it, was any of it maybe a little underlying? Like, you know what? It's time that, you know, that this, we need to showcase that black players should be on teams. Or was it strictly, these are the best players and we need to win? That's, that is the question at the heart of the movie. Yeah. You just nailed it. Have you, yeah. Were you, were you in our edit room when we were in the because yeah. because really what we found is that the coach, his name was George Ireland, um, the coach was just trying to win games. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. That's 
That's his job. There's nothing I mean, wrong with he's, that. He's the coach. There's nothing wrong with that. He's, he was simply trying to win games. He wasn't really – I don't think he even realized how historic this this season was until they looked back afterwards. Yeah. Um, and so – and that's kind of – that's really the cool thing about sports is if you step onto the arena or onto the basketball court or whatever – it's really, you know, the, the the audience and the fans just want to see the best player or the best team win. It's a true meritocracy. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly the right word. And 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 sports has historically been able to break down barriers quicker than the rest of society because the rest of the society the rest of society isn't always you know, it isn't always a meritocracy. Yeah. It's, it's, mm-hmm. there's other things that come into play. So, yeah, we, I mean, we've made a lot of movies. You know, my wife produced the Taylor Swift documentary, which was on Netflix last year, which was a big hit. We, we did a, we did a 30 for 30 for ESPN about Notre Dame football. It was a movie called Catholics versus Convicts. I love we, that made one. A lot of Wait a minute. I love that one. That was fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. So yeah, we, we've done Miami. a lot. Of- I mean, come on, like I'm going to forget that. <laughs> yeah, and 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 we we've we've made a lot of movies over the years. I think yeah. we've, we've produced twenty or so movies. This is the movie that I think is closest to our heart. Oh, we're, wow. we're both Chicagoans. I went to Fenwick High School. Christine's from Barrington. We're Chicagoans at heart. We always will be. And this is a story. It's a great sports story. So it you know at, yeah. If nothing else, it's just about this this great team and what they accomplished, but it's so much more than that. It's a great and, and that's story. why this yeah. has been so rewarding for us to do. Patrick, We've been working on it now for two and a half years. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, it yeah, is a labor yeah. of love and it comes through on the film. Uh, he's Patrick Creedon, director of, of the Loyola project. Again, the big premiere tonight. And then you're going to, you're going to see it. You're going to be, you're going to be hard pressed not to see it. It's going to be everywhere and just perfect for the month of March. As we get into March madness. Thanks so much for that. And, uh, and for your work on, on an amazing film. Hey, good morning. Happy Thursday, Bruce and Judy with you right now. And yesterday, Governor Pritzker laid out at least uh, his plan for uh, a changes in masking, right? Yes, sh- and the mask mandates. First off, he said this. As we've seen these numbers peak at about 7,400 hospitalizations and heading downward significantly, we're now, I think, under 2,500. The intention is to uh, lift the mask mandate in indoor locations uh, by February 28th. Uh, He then went on to talk about the schools. Of course, we still have the sensitive locations of uh, K-12 schools where we have... uh, Lots of people who are, you know, joined together in smaller spaces, thousands of people interacting in one location at a time. Uh, And so that's something that will come weeks hence. And joining us right now to react to that and to tell us what he would do differently is State Senator Darren Bailey, candidate for governor of Illinois. Good morning to you, sir. Hey, good morning to you. It's a great day in Illinois, and it's only going to get better after all this nonsense. <laughs> I love your attitude already. So you, you heard Governor Pritzker lay out his plan as a candidate for governor, someone running against him. Um, what do you like or don't like about it? Well, you said some key words early on. You said his plan, and then I heard you say the word changes, and, and I think we've got to remember that. Uh, This has all been about Governor Pritzker. The General Assembly has never, ever met and approved and and upheld and passed into law anything that this man has said. 
And we've seen changes all along the way. There is nothing consistent, absolutely nothing consistent about anything with his messaging, with his plans, with his desires, except for to stay in control and, and to uh, unilaterally mandate uh, this nonsense to the state. So government educates, government informs, government makes available whatever the, ne ne the necessities are that are needed and then we, the people, decide which of that we need and we want to do. So this whole lockdown mess has been a disaster for the children, for their future. Good grief, second graders who have never seen their teacher's face. Uh, this is disgusting, and it's wrong. So, Senator Bailey, is was there any time where you would say to yourself that, yes, we did need to wear masks or we did need to shut down, or has it all just been wrong? It's all been wrong, and I will admit to you, uh, March 17th, 2020, March 17th was my birthday. March 17th was, uh, was the primary. March 17th of 2020 was the first day uh, of this, do you, do, do you remember, two weeks to flatten the curve. Oh, yeah, that yeah, been yeah. forgotten. Wow. So I'll, I, I, you know, I got on board with that. I told the community, in the, I was a representative in the 109th district. Uh, I had just won the primary for the uh, uh, Illinois 55th Senate. And, and uh, had, a, had, a, had a following on Facebook, and I told people, I said, hey, let's just cool it. Let's see what's going to happen. And then we saw what happened. Two weeks turned into to a month and so on. And I had businesses, uh, hairdressers, these quote-unquote non-essential businesses calling me. What on earth do I do? My employees are getting help. I'm not. No, it has destroyed. It's been a disaster to our education system, our schools, good grief, our churches. There, there is nothing right about any of this. Government never shuts down uh, society in, in a free constitutional republic. State Senator Darren Bailey is joining us right now, candidate for governor of Illinois. So you've had a kind of a unique experience of be, not only being in uh, the the House, but in the Senate here in the state of Illinois. Are, are these discussions ongoing? I mean, is there any support for uh, some sort of legislative solution to these problems? I'm going to sadly say no. Uh, yeah. Everybody is just simply complying, falling into line. That is why I am running for governor, because I see absolutely no leadership. I see no choices. And, uh, you know, let's not forget, after those first several months, of frustration trying to figure out what's going on. I tried to find somebody. I've, I've never, I'm a farmer. I'm not an attorney. I've never sued anyone. I've never been sued up until uh, May of 2020 when I filed the lawsuit against Governor Pritzker. And, and people are forgetting that on July 2nd, I was awarded a victory. Governor Pritzker was found unconstitutional and illegal uh, with these with these executive orders he's pu he's putting out. He has no enforcement to any of this. So my message to the people is, Rise up, stand up, don't forget that we are a free republic and government cannot do this to us. But, Senator, I mean, it, we, were in a, we were specifically and still are sort of in a health crisis. It's a pandemic. People, a lot of people have died. I mean, how do you respond to that by saying that we didn't need any, we, we didn't need to do anything to, to stop that? No, I'm not saying we don't need to do anything. As a, I am not anti-mask. I'm not anti-vaccine. As a state senator, as a state representative, I have handed out, passed out, gave out thousands of masks. I've helped a lot of people get help, you know, through the vaccine. Back to my original comment, government educates, government informs, government comes up with solutions and lays it before the people, but the people mm -hmm. decide what it is they want to partake of and they want to do.
Do you so along those lines, uh, uh, Mr. Ba- uh, State Senator Bailey? I don't want to. I don't want to demote you yet. Uh, there is my name. Yeah, but fair enough. Thank you, sir. I would never call you. <laughs> but uh, uh, so, how does? Knowing how the state of Illinois works, are you going to tell me and help me understand how you're uniquely able to maybe bring these organizations, bring people from different parties, the opposite party in, and come up with solutions for the state of Illinois? Absolutely. It seems like every time a party gets in control, uh, you know, they, they, they cram their ideas and thoughts down everyone's throat. And that's certainly what's happening right now. And and I got to be honest, as we as we stood up, I'm yeah, I farmed all my life. Like I said, I'm going to yes, say sir. again, I've, I've I've run for school board for 17 years, and that's my uh, public service. And and when I saw that no one was standing up uh, early on against all the tax hikes, that's what that's what led me uh, to where I'm at. So being able to communicate to the people, you know, Governor Pritzker is an amazing communicator. He spent the last two years instilling fear in everyone that to stay in, close your business, keep your kids home, or or something bad's going to happen to you. And and we, and we don't operate like that in the United States of America, or it will destroy us. So yes, I believe that I have the ability to learn from the past, to bring people together, serving as a representative, serving as a senator. I see the waste. There is a ton of waste that needs eliminated, and it has got to be addressed, brought before the people, and uh, and to, and dealt with. We really appreciate your time today. We wish you the best of luck, and I, and we'll hopefully be talking to you more in the future, sir. All right. God bless you guys, and thanks a lot. Enjoy the rest of your day. That is State Senator Darren Bailey, also candidate for governor, uh, reacting not only to Pritzker's mask mandates, but more more of a fundamental issue, as in the governor shouldn't be doing things like that. And certainly what I heard from him is, as, as governor, we give you the information, you do with it as you choose. I'm all in favor of that. You're not going to hear an argument out of me. I see what you did there. Hey, good morning to you. It's Bruce and Judy. We got DJ Tom over there, a little friends music, if you will. Because as you get older, is it getting harder and harder to make friends? Is it harder to keep friends? Maybe it's just harder to stay in touch with friends. And I thought social media was going to make this so much easier. You know, I, I, I belong to a Facebook group of like the, uh, of my high school or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't talk to any of those people. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think so- social media made it horribly worse. Really? People don't even want to speak words to each other. Just text me, email me, go on Facebook, oh, yeah. message well, that, me. That doesn't I mean, it's, yeah. And I do, you know what? I think as you get older, it is more difficult to keep friends. Because here's the problem. You get older, you tend to speak out a little bit more, right? I mean, older people will you, you, you alienate, that, alienate your friends? Sort of. So you have that to deal with. You're older and you're like, I'm not putting up with any of this crap anymore. I'm going to tell you exactly what I think. And then you, have, <laughs> then you have the same type of old person with no patience. You know what? On the I'm other getting side. sick of your crap. So, <laughs> we're, so you. yes, you've got these two things. We're no longer friends. How are we ever friends to begin exactly. with? Exactly. I mean, it's and I just feel like... As I get older, that I do, I have less tolerance for stupidity, for people who are always, say, late, for people who don't keep plans. You know what I mean? I, I'm like, you know, I've got enough friends. I don't need you. And I, I am at this age able to say goodbye to longtime friends a lot easier than when, when you're younger, you forgive everything, right? You're just, ah, whatever, because you don't care, because you might be a little bit like that. But as you get older, it becomes more important. Mm. And if you don't do your end of the bargain here being a friend, 
Mm, you're out. I saw, I, it reminds me of something I'm, I'm sure I saw. I read it somewhere, and it said, you know, I was feeling bad that I hadn't reached out and called some of my friends recently mm-hmm. until I realized, you know, the phone works both ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like maybe I shouldn't feel so bad about this. You know, uh, two can play this game right. for like a better And the course. high maintenance uh, friends? Uh-uh. Yeah. I, I've, I'm I've, done with that. I, uh, yeah, I, I've I've struggled because uh, I have I have one friend who was my, my best friend for quite some time who struggled with addiction, and I felt like I was helping. I felt like I was needed early on. Mm. He needed a sober friend, <laughs> you know. Uh, he he he, and I've been sober now three times my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, but it got to the point where I was like, you know, I. I I this I don't get anything out of this relationship being the fireman, you know. Yeah. I'm the nine one one call. I, I, sure. I'm like, why? Well, I don't get anything else out of this other than running around to put out fires and pick up pieces. Yeah, and that makes it bad. really tough to maintain a friendship mm-hmm. when it, it it's definitely so, is a two way street. When when it's so one way ish, mm-hmm. I guess is one way to put it. So when you did decide, but I put up with it for twenty something years. Sure, and when you did decide to actually say, uh, "Man, I can't do this," how did you? Did you call him on? Call him on the phone? You know, have a meeting. Did you text so it, was, him? it was difficult. So sure. uh, uh, he relapsed, I guess you would say, uh, and was staying at my house at the time. And when he got out of that version of rehab, yaddy yaddy counseling, or whatever, I said, um, "I think I need a break from this." And if you need a place to stay, it's not going to be with me. <laughs> and so you said those words. Oh, absolutely, oh. I did. And I said, I I need a break. This 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 is too much for me. Yeah. Laid it down. And so I just I I because I have a similar not to deal with. It. I have a similar situation with a family member that I was who I was very close to. Mm-hmm. Same thing uh, with I the don't addiction. Have to worry about that. I'm not close I to any just, of my family. But I didn't. <laughs> I, I give you kudos for actually verbalizing it. It took I, a long time. I didn't. I just stepped away. Yeah. And I think she probably, and like I know ghosted. she does. Just ghosted. ghosted. Sometimes she's like, hey, you haven't called me. or But I'll be like, yeah, I've called you 15 times. You don't remember. And then I just stop calling. But, you know, it is funny because the addict will always, it's never their fault, right? It's always someone else's fault. That's why they're an addict. So I just kind of backed off. And once in a while, I'll, but I do, I, I do feel a little bit guilty about that, that I just... I didn't know what else to do. I didn't think it was. I well, didn't, didn't want to lecture. But they, again, they could reach out to you. Exactly, and I don't think they cared that much. And you can play that game. Yeah, yeah. Now I will say, getting older, I am still able to make friends. New friends. New friends. Really? It's, and I think uh, this to me. Uh, let me give some advice to all the youngins. Okay, listen. Always make friends. Uh huh. Make new friends your whole life. Right. It's the best thing ever. If you say so, Dave, <laughs> up on the north side. Dave, how are you doing? Oh, I'm loving this conversation, everything this morning. Judy, we are the same persona in two different bodies. Mm. <laughs> were we identicals. Ever, wait, were we ever friends? And then we had a falling out? Uh, no, because we're the same person in different bodies. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So you agree with that? The, as you get older, it gets... Yep, 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 yeah. yep. Everything you said. Yeah, You're it, spot on. And uh, I'm 73. Uh, and I feel exactly the same way. And I noticed you're Polish. I'm a Polish American too. 
Mm, you guys ought to be friends. I'm yeah. just telling you right now. I think <laughs> you know what? We're too old now. I'm not going to put up with his crap. Oh, for God's sakes! Yeah. <laughs> you know, it it uh, it's where do you go to meet new friends though when you're older? You know, I don't go anywhere. I just it's amazing. I just meet people, and you know, sometimes you have a connection with people. Sure. And that it takes some work sometimes. You know, I just kind of facilitate it a little bit if but I like can. I'm thinking about, especially over the last couple of years, if you weren't mm. going to work. That social aspect. Hey, there's a new employee or somebody you work with or in your building or right. your office. If you weren't going out and about and doing things, if there weren't the social things, concerts, bars, whatever, where the hell is anybody meeting anybody? Yeah, no, that's it. The pandemic has certainly made it much more difficult. But I tend to meet new people from my current friends. And sometimes that doesn't end well. Friends of a friend of a friend. Uh, yeah, someone will introduce me to their friend, and then I'll become friends with that friend. And then that first friend's like, well, now you two are better friends. And yeah, Swear it's a girl that, thing. See, it's a here's, girl thing. Here's what you got to do. You got to get in the men's league shuffleboard. Ooh. That's how my friends have made more friends. I'm, of course, not in men's league shuffleboard, <laughs> but uh, they've made a lot of friends over these at the Royal the, Palms. These are yeah. your friends who used to be your friends who now all play shuffleboard. <laughs> yes. and, and, and since you and don't, you're like, not invited in their reindeer games. Well, Stop. yeah, I get to hang out with them, but they're always talking about, oh, yeah, last week at the Palms. And I'm just like, come on, All man. they do is sit down and talk about shuffleboard. Uh, I, mean, I don't want to be their I'd friend either. 85. I don't yeah. want to be their friend either <laughs> at this point. No. Hey, it's a good way I, to meet people. Shuffleboard, though. I love it. I gotta start learning. I guess I'm, I'm getting up there. Yeah, you got when they when they set you up at Dell Web, you know, and yeah. they have the league right. going on. Oh, right. for the love of God! All right. Hey, good morning and happy Thursday to you. We jump into the eight o'clock hour, taking a look at what's coming up. The land of Al Capone is apparently also the land of love. Cicero is the number one suburb for singles. We'll tell you why after eight forty-five. After a 30, spice up your Super Bowl spread. We're talking to Alex Wilkins from the Spice House and stepping up your flavor game. And at 8.15, lay down your bets. 31 million Americans are going to put money down on the Super Bowl. Are you? Tell us if you got to win the big game, and we'll tell you some of this year's most insane prop bets. But first, a key witness in the case against Alderman Patrick Daly-Thompson is in a bit of hot water after talking about the case over lunch. And Alderman Thompson claims he's just frazzled while doing his accounting, right? It can't possibly be held to account. So the backstory on this is um, this is going to be a tough one. Like to prove in court, as far as Alderman Daly Thompson goes. I'm going to say alleged, but apparently there are receipts. So, you know, this is, this is, we're past the alleged part. He received over $200,000 in loan. I'm using a finger quote loan from a local bank. A loan in which he didn't have to give any collateral. And a loan in which, at least the government's arguing, there was no expectation he would ever have to repay the loan so you and i would not be able to walk in and get a similar loan i think it is fair to say right? I, I would call that free money right exactly the bank's free money um he's getting caught though we mentioned al capone a little ago almost the same way because mm -hmm. it has to do with the irs and his Taxes. Right. Isn't that because funny? he was basically claiming that this was a mortgage loan and that he was making payments 
but he wasn't actually repaying anything but taking a mortgage deduction, for lack of better terms. And I think sometimes not even paying the interest on the loan on his tax returns, right? No. Sometimes paying, sometimes not. Not at Amending him to say, whoops, maybe I didn't pay that loan. But, you know, according to his lawyer, as you said, he's just frazzled. He was always on the run between his law office. Oh, by the way, he's a lawyer. His aldermanic duties, he's an alderman. And soccer games for his kids. And filing his tax returns. Right, because in his tax returns, yeah, he said that he had he had paid $171,000 in interest back to the bank, when in reality, apparently, he wrote one check for a hell of a lot less mm, back yeah. in 2012. So now you've got the case moving forward. We wish him the best of luck. He's my alderman. He may end up in prison uh, or, or, or find a hell of a lot. But the judge, the, the district court judge in this, has told people testifying, hey, and I'm, I'm thinking this is probably pretty standard, right? Don't talk about this outside of the courtroom. Right. I mean, usually that's the jury we hear about. The, right. They tell the jurors. But, yeah, also the witnesses, because this key witness th- from this accounting firm that, that Daly used, Thompson used, he, there were other employees who were going to testify. So he said, do not talk about your testimony. Yeah, the questions that were asked, mm-hmm. because, you know, you, you're, it's unfair to the defense, you know, if the these prosecution witnesses all know the questions that are going to be coming up. Right. So that's the idea, that you you kind of have to do it fresh and, and give your honest answers, right? Right, right, exactly. So during, and this is a prosecution witness, right, the key witness against the defendant. So during a lunch break, this CPA was overheard telling two other employees of his accounting firm, who were also on the witness list, like we just said, that Thompson's lawyer was playing a game of gotcha. Okay. Someone overheard that in the lunchroom. This is why, you know, lunchroom gossip never, never ends well, Anywhere near a courtroom. Right. You should always assume that the person sitting next to you is probably an attorney. Exactly. You know, it's probably especially if it's a defense attorney or for prosecutor. The defense. You know, right? Like, well, actually, uh, we've got some exclusive audio of I'm the ready. prosecutor Here we go. Uh, talking to uh, the key witness. Will you shut up? Shut up! Shut! 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 Shut up! <laughs> Nailed it. Oh, <laughs> I, but stuff. you know what? The problem is he didn't hear it, obviously, or didn't understand because um, he did talk, and the judge is now pissed off. To the point of saying That's we okay. may sanction they may, they may sanction this key witness. <sighs> of course, the defense asked immediately to you know oh my for god for a mistrial. Yeah. I don't know if it's not going a mistrial, to... but a more uh, a much more harsh yeah. judgment. I mean, just saying it's they're good. they're asking gotcha questions may not be in and of itself enough. You know, I mean, he's I kind of stating the obvious. Yeah, I was going to say, you should right. probably assume that but they're going to the be asking God's defense says there has to be a consequence. It was violating a court order. His uh, Thompson's attorney is asking that that witness um, be questioned in front of the jury, saying he lied to a federal judge. That goes to his credibility. He's entitled to bring that out in court. I mean, so what they're trying to do is say the prosecution's key witness defied your order. We should be able to to tell the jury he defied the judge's order. That goes to his credibility, and boom, they're okay. Right, 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 right. Yeah. This this case is so, it's almost impossible. You need a flow chart to try to figure out well, everything no, that's going on. Well, no, Thompson apparently needed a flow chart to keep track of that loan. Well, because also, <laughs> yesterday, um, 
the chairman of his law firm, Burke Warren McKay Saratella, testified that Thompson gave the law firm over $100,000 to buy in as a partner, apparently, immediately after leaving the bank with the check with the loan he didn't have to repay. Oh, my God. Yeah, he was using ill-gotten gains or whatever to buy his way in to the law firm. Do but you usually have to buy your way into a partnership? To be a partner? Huh, thought that was something you worked up um, to. Or buy your way in. Uh-huh, yeah, well, with money you don't have to pay back. Yeah, so there's a lot but going again, on. Again, Bruce, he's a scatterbrain. He just he just forgot. He forgot. Is that going to be when he went to I mean, the is bank? Is that even a defense? How do you come up with that it, as your is defense? Is their defense? It is actually their they they are using words like frazzled. The key witness said one year because he did his taxes. One year, oh boy. he was walking to the mailbox at nine p.m. on tax day with his taxes. That's how late he showed up to his office to have his taxes done. He's a lawyer and alderman. He has a $200,000 loan from a bank. No, and he's bank. showing up and going, oh, yeah, here is my. Apparently. and He was having a drink with Joey Bag of Donuts. They were over <laughs> at the Berghoff. They, yeah. were, ch- they were chopping but, it up yeah, for like He had his envelopes filled with all his receipts and stuff. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Here's out. what I don't get. I, and, and I mean this honestly. Your name is Patrick Daly Thompson. You're part of the Daly Dynasty syndicate. He is the grandson and nephew of the two mayors. How do you not know that they're probably going to look through your stuff with a fine-tooth comb? How are you so discombobulated that you think you can skate by in this day and age, I would think if you had a name like that, they're going to be like, oh, uh, yeah, like the the day he gets elected, the FBI is like, awesome, add him to the list, guys. Yeah. You know, they, who, who's going to go through his mail for, <laughs> you know, garbage first? But this is how criminals get caught because mm. they start to think they're invincible. They're just going to audit right? him every yeah, year. They're going mean. to be like, I right, go ahead. You're not going to catch me because that's well, what maybe he just knows because of you know. Chicago politics, it's inevitable that. Yeah, right. Yeah. Might as well do the It doesn't yeah. matter what you do, I'm going to end up in jail anyway. That's right. That's right. They, they had the <laughs> cell picked governor? out. They had the cell picked out. It's it got said, his name on yeah, it. it said, the Daily Suite. Yeah, the Daily Yeah, outstanding. All right, well, we'll keep an eye on it, but this thing's off to a rip roaring start already with the, uh, the judge uh, already chastising the prosecution's witnesses. Good times. Hey, good morning. A happy Thursday. It's Bruce and Judy. We've got uh, DJ Tom over there working those ones and twos all morning long from producer Miranda. And we're talking about the Super Bowl. And uh, maybe if you're not betting on the Super Bowl, maybe you're one of those people that uh, the game itself is bordering on irrelevant to you. But you love you some Super Bowl parties. Mm, Yeah, it's the afterthought to the right. That there is still a reason. It's a it's a good excuse. It's why Monday should be a holiday, by the way. Uh, a good excuse for everyone to get together. Joining us right now is Alex Wilkins. And Alex is the Director of Product and Sourcing at The Spice House. Hey, good morning, Alex. Morning, Bruce. Morning, Judy. Hello. Uh, I'm going to probably admit, well, I mean, it's not going to be that impressive. 
What I don't know about spices might be a hell of a lot. And my guess is you are practically an expert at it. As people are putting together their uh, Super Bowl spread, if you will, talk to me about the proper use of spice. I, I agree with you that the Super Bowl, at least for me, uh, maybe for a lot of us, is an excuse to just get together and eat eat some good food. Uh, <laughs> and maybe break the rules. If we're on a diet, uh, Super Bowl Sunday doesn't count uh, every time. <laughs> so says uh, Alex. Double stampies, no yeah. erases. Yeah, so the spread, I mean, the spread at any Super Bowl party is really the centerpiece of all the activity, all the conversation, and spices can be uh, just such a key part of that. Um, spices are all about flavor, uh, about bringing heat, saltiness, sweet, um, just really taking whatever you're making and, and making it special. So yeah. that's what we do at the Spice House. Uh, it's all about freshness. Um, we have all kinds of blends that we make for you, um, all different flavors flavor profiles, uh, yeah, we can help. Yeah, and I would argue that spices are like the key to anything, right? I mean, you, it's hard sometimes to know what goes with what. I mean, do you have just, I, okay, I, here's, I, this is my way around asking, do you have like a, a spice that has everything in it so I don't have to think about that? Boy, Judy, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Yeah, everything bagel spice we call oh. it, um, and and you've seen that uh, that spice become more more and more popular uh, recently, and we love it particularly on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, we have a great recipe; it's super simple for everything bagel, pigs in a blanket. Uh, so, I mean, who doesn't love uh, a nice a nice meat in a case, uh, and then those crescent rolls that we're all familiar with those those instant uh, crescent rolls in the package that are more delicious than they than they should be, and then we roll those in everything bagel spice, so nice crunchy bits of garlic and onion, uh, sesame seeds, and then some nice coarse pretzel salt uh, just to make it pop, and that's that's just I mean those will disappear quick. Why nice, has it nice taken mustard. this long to come up with that? Are you kidding me? That's like the best thing I've ever heard. It it really is not going to disappoint anybody in the room. I'll tell you that. I you know I got a feeling that you know it's it's interesting because I'm thinking about spices and obviously when you are the director of product and sourcing at the Spice House, you wake up in the morning thinking about spice and go to bed at night with it. That's I, I on the other hand, I'm realizing the more I'm looking at this the less I actually understand about spices and that and that there is an entire world out there. And you guys have really latched onto it at the Spice House where you can take maybe what somebody has traditionally done and you can fundamentally change that dish just by using the right spices. But there is got to be like a spice 101. Like we there's there's the beginner's course for idiots like me that spice includes pepper and salt. I mean, that's where I started too, Bruce. Uh, and you don't have to be afraid. That's, that's really the, the first, uh, the first thing that I would tell you is be fearless. Um, and the second <laughs> thing I would tell you is, is to, is to lean on, uh, people that you trust. And, uh, the Spice House is one of those, one of those businesses that you can trust. We have a great website. If you want to, if you want to start your learning at home, just start to peruse the website. We have all kinds of information about the spices themselves tips on how to use them, a ton of recipes. And then uh, if you're feeling a little more adventurous and want to get out of the house, uh, head to one of our retail shops. We have uh, a store set up in Old Town, 
Chicago, uh, a shop in Evanston, a couple stores north in Milwaukee. Um, and the staff at our stores are incredibly knowledgeable. Um, a lot of them have been with us for many years. They all are avid home cooks. Some of them have culinary training. They can really, really help you uh, answer just about any question that you have. So as far as the uh, Super Bowl spread this year, anything new? I know you mentioned the uh, everything seasoning, everything bagel seasoning. What about, yeah, like I, you know, I can't even think about the Super Bowl without thinking about dip. I'm going to have like five different dips. <laughs> Tell me what I'm going to have. Yeah, I, you're headed in the right direction, Judy. <laughs> uh, if there's not a dip, it's not a party. No. Uh, buffalo dip. I I mean, this, this dip... Um, this dip recipe that we have for Vulcan's Fire Salt Buffalo Dip. Uh, Vulcan's Fire Salt is one of our best-selling blends. It's, it's really a, a blend of uh, a few different spices, but the, at the end of the day, it's, it's hot and, and uh, spicy, and it's got some acid. Uh, it's got some sweet. And we make this buffalo dip uh, with chicken, uh, cream cheese, ranch dressing. I mean, it's the kind of dip that will make you feel great. You probably want to carve out some time on Monday to take a walk, uh, but it's totally <laughs> worth it. Uh, we're talking again to Alex Wilkins. He's the director of product and sourcing at the Spice House. Um, I'm going to let you kind of brag or, or, or educate me. How many spices do you guys carry? Like when we talk about you, you have a piece, you know, A to Z, how many are there? We have over a hundred different blends, um, a couple hundred different unique spices, um, and really the idea behind the business is that um, we we manufacture from start to finish. So we'll buy whole peppercorns, whole cloves, whole cumin seeds. We'll grind them into fresh powder, then we uh, turn them into our proprietary spice blends. They're all our own recipe that recipes that we've developed over the last fifty years. Um, so it's really about it's really about the freshness of the spices, okay. and and our catalog is um, you know some of the some of the smaller spice companies out there focus on specific products or specific countries of origin. We pull the best spices that we can from countries all over the world, and we have a full lineup. So wow. if, I mean, if you can't find it in our catalog. Or online, I mean, you probably don't need it. You don't need it. You don't need it. It's not so. And spices can be can be sweet. Like I, but I don't oh, know yeah, why I think of spice. And, I think of mm-hmm. I think of like you know, it's got a tang to it or something. But you can have sweet spices sure. as well. Okay, so tell yeah, me, no. where can I get my uh, everything bagel spice? How do I get this quickly for Super Bowl Sunday? Spicehouse.com is the website, uh, or thespicehouse.com. Both will work. Or you can hit our retail stores um, on Well Street, Evanston, Illinois, uh, or up in Milwaukee. Outstanding. You know what? Really appreciate your time today, Alex. You have an awesome Super Bowl weekend. Thanks for spicing it up. <laughs> you both do. Appreciate <laughs> the time. I, Take care. Why do I think his Super Bowl parties are probably pretty oh, awesome, man. right? Can you imagine? The guy that is the director of product and sourcing at the Spice House, right? That's where you want to go have. I should have asked to get invited over to Alex's house. I didn't think about that enough. There you go. Lonely no more. Good morning to you. It's Bruce. It's Judy. And Valentine's Day is rapidly approaching. Monday, I'm led to believe. A lot of people probably be celebrating this weekend. I think that's fair to say. Uh, But what if you don't have a sweetheart? What if you don't have a valentine what is a single person to do 
apparently go to Cicero is on the list, which is not what I thought we were going to hear. Apparently, um, Cicero, home of, you know, El Capone. And Ernest Hemingway. Was he single? El Capone? I think he was married. I, I can't remember. Anyway. Certainly had girlfriends. He's got, yeah, he's got, he's got children. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? He had a lot of Valentines. If you Hello. Know I mean. So Cicero clocked in at number six on a list of um, like the most single, divorced, or widowed people. Yeah, that, that when you're looking at it from a uh, a target rich environment, if you will, if you're a single, uh, that between the ages of eighteen and sixty five, and these are suburbs of major cities, Cicero, at least we're talking about Chicagoland as well, is breaking the curve Chalk for singles. singles. Mm-hmm. Yes, that that is where you want to go. Stand on a street corner and just look available. Hmm. Oh, I don't yeah. think you want to. I, I, yeah, no, I, I don't think you want to do that in Cicero of all places. No, well, you no, have no, competition. No, 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 that would be a problem. Yeah. yeah, you got you got too many mm-hmm. other people also standing there, and that's why you got to get you know yeah. get over there. Be like, listen, this is my corner. You get the hell out of here. This is where that I'm happens for love. in Cicero. I'm pretty sure. Fifty-seven point two percent of the residents of Cicero are single. That also says something about kind of our our country, too. I mean, you know, it used to be like there was no such thing as single adults. What's wrong with hmm, what's wrong with them? Mm-hmm. Right. Confirmed bachelor. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You know, that did always bother me, though. Confirmed bachelor. I don't know old, what that means. Old maid. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know. Scarlet letter A. Conf- yeah, confirmed bachelorette. Yeah, so, uh, no, not anymore. Now it's, well, no. but I mean, it's Cicero. Is Are these young people, young single people? 18 to 65. It's yeah. a wide swath. It is. I wonder if most but of them are. But it does include divorcees. True. Widows. Widows. Widows, yeah. I mean, maybe those are the biggest ones. Maybe there's some reason why when you live in Cicero. Cause why else is it? Well, because bad things tend to happen to people. In Cicero. Well, maybe during Al Capone's time. (laughs) But it seems like it's a good place for the ladies. And the reason I bring that up is that Cicero ranks as the fourth best suburb or the fourth most nationwide for single men. Hmm. Doesn't rank with the single women. So there's a hell of a lot of single guys that you girls can pick and choose from. From Cicero. Okay, you you make it sound bad you're, you're, when you add that, that in. Bad, it's not like, good right up until you yeah. threw the you know Cicero. What? Yeah. Cicero actually, you know, it's it's like it's to me very Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. I mean, it's a suburb, but it's very Chicago. Yeah. Can you imagine it's, if I looked at you and said, "Oh yeah, she's from Lombard." <laughs> yeah, she's it's from the just sticks. That Cicero, I mean, it has this reputation. Of, you know, a lot of corruption, corruption. mob. I mean, yeah, it goes back right. to Merry Christmas, Christmas yeah. you filthy animal. It, yeah. But there are great parts of Cicero, and there are great people in Cicero. And, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people live in Cicero will now be yelling at me. Where do you meet? Where would you meet somebody? Is 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 it oh, all there are lots online of bars now? In Cicero. But I'm just saying, like, for the average person, is it just online? Have we just do, have we just resigned ourselves Pretty to much. there's an app that you're going to find your Valentine slash mate on? Everyone I ask lately, in the past few years, like, oh, where did you guys meet? Every, online. Everyone. Online. So, online. No one says, oh, so-and-so fixed this so up. That, it used to be that you didn't 
you didn't want to say you met online. There was something yeah. kind of naughty mm-hmm. about that, right? The stigma, yeah. The or like stigma. it wasn't going to last. Oh, online. Yeah. yeah. So uh, um, uh, on my when I had a dating profile on 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 one of those apps, my first line was perfectly willing to lie about where we met. <laughs> that's a good sign that's a good yeah I, hooks him in yeah it hooked him in and that's believe a green me flag. i had i had girls that went out with and that was one of the things we said okay so when people say where do we met where do we meet what are we going to tell them yeah we met in napa we went on a vineyard yeah. tour let's come up with a yeah. come up with a story that we both can stick to yeah as opposed to and one so of us swiped right when you met any uh, any girl what whatever girl you met where did you go the first time that's always interesting to me too since you don't like you say, let's go meet for coffee. Do you go on a date? Do you go for what do you do with that a first walk. meet? A drink. I I I I usually try to sucker them in with dinner, thinking if nothing else, they're going to get a free meal out of it, mm. and that they'd want to hang out with me. <laughs> but then dinner can last a long time. Yeah. Hey, if dinner goes three hours and and it's your, that's a good sign. That's not a bad thing. I like that. She could have got up and left at any time. <laughs> yeah, nobody's forcing you to stay. This is you're not sentenced to this. Contrary to popular. Did you ever have one of these? Oh no, no, no! That's not how you look in your picture. Oh, the catfish! Oh, Don't oh, get me started on them. Hey, you know what? There's still time uh, for Judy to restore your faith in humanity. She says she can do it for you right now. Well, we've been talking a lot about the Super Bowl today. So three friends who have attended every Super Bowl are hoping for a memorable contest this year because it will probably be their final trip to the big game as a group. Now, the three men are all in their 80s. They've attended every game since the first one 55 years ago, about seven miles from this year's venue, SoFi Stadium in California. Don Chrisman, a Maine resident and the eldest of the group at 85, says this is his last game. Gregory Eaton, 82 of Michigan, wants to keep attending, but he says his health concerns could get in the way. Even Tom Henshaw, a football fanatic who spends the cold months in Florida, says Super Bowl 60 in 2026 figures to be his last. Now, the far-flung friends used the Super Bowl to meet up, spend time together, and reminisce. Chrisman and Henshaw first met at the 1983 Super Bowl. Eaton met them three decades later in the mid-2010s. Their small club of fans who have been to every Super Bowl has dwindled over the years as other members have aged and passed on. So this game has special significance because they're getting together again. And because of COVID, non-restrictions now, they can all sit together again. I like I like the fact that uh, they're already talking about the 2026 Super Bowl, and we all know the Cowboys still want to be playing in it, <laughs> which I think is fantastic. All right, Judy, thanks for restoring faith in humanity, and hey, thanks a lot to MG and the Posse and Mission Control hitting all the buttons and making things happen. Infant producer Miranda on the other side of the double pane bulletproof glass. DJ Tom, hush your mouth, young man. Working those ones and twos all morning long, and Nick Gale sticking around. That the news, the traffic, the weather. Everything you need to know is coming up next on 890 WLS.